It's time to open up the hollowed halls of leadership. It's time to figure out what the secrets are to being a successful leader and running a successful organization. It's time for VoltCast Illuminating Leadership. Your host is Jeff Smith, an executive coach and business leader who has over two decades of forward-thinking executive leadership as a human resources and operations professional. Now, Jeff and his guest experts are ready to share their tips and studies with you. Now, here is Jeff Smith. Welcome to Volcast. I'm so glad that you could join us today. We've April Armstrong on the line with us. April, you want to say hi? Hi, everyone. All right. I am uh, excited to have April here. Um, so I will uh, give you all of our contact information first, and then we'll introduce April properly here. So um, we love folks that reach out to us during the week. So you can reach me at, at voltageleadership.com. Uh, many of you have gone out and joined our blog, um, downloaded our other um, radio show, so that can get be at VoltageLeadership.com. If you want to follow us on Facebook, it's Voltage Leadership, and then LinkedIn is Jeff at Voltage Leadership. Also, we're on Twitter at uh, Voltage Leadership, and love the letters and notes that we got. April, we get them from all over the world, so we're in many countries. Many people listen to us, so thank you to all of our international folks, and as we're recording this, um, we've got lots of challenges going on with uh, hurricanes and all that. So, hope everyone out there stays safe. So, yeah. A- April Armstrong. So, I love April Armstrong. I am so excited to have her on the show. Um, it's funny how you just have these people in your life that uh, that you meet and just make your day brighter. And April is one of those people. I can still remember meeting April. Uh, I was two years older than her at uh, college. She comes and she ends up uh, rooming with a friend of mine uh, that I'd known growing up. And, uh, you know, so I always kind of think of April as this younger person, even though we're only two years apart in age, but just <laughs> it's it's so much fun watching her grow and do all these amazing things. And, and But I still think of uh, April as a freshman at James Madison University. So and uh, it just makes me laugh as she goes on to, uh, you know, do uh, amazing uh, things and giving speeches on change at Harvard or leading a women's leadership conference at JMU or writing a book that we'll be talking about today, The Day One Executive. April has never applied for a single job in more than 20 years of professional work. She's customs on every role. Not only that, April just finds people that want her to come in and make their universe better. Uh, she is... Uh, early in her career, one of the youngest executives in the nation's largest employee-owned research and development company, which later became a Fortune 500 company. I can't say I'm surprised knowing April and knowing how amazing she is. Um, she's also mentored dozens of young people and helped them find their career voice. She's worked with government and corporate executives. She travels the world, does amazing work helping on everything from transportation to national security to really just helping people grow and find their voice. Um, a sought-after speaker, often seen on TV. I saw her on Arizona on a, a new show. Um, a sought-after speaker, a contributor, author, and most of all, a good friend. So, April, thanks for being here. Jeff, thank you so much, and for that beautiful introduction. Thank you. Absolutely. And it's so mutual. Yeah. Well, both. We went to James Madison University, so we're both, uh, you know, we'll throw out some Go Dukes every once in a while for all of our Jamie friends, friends listening, and. Uh, you know, it'll be fun. April, maybe let's start uh, with a question around the, the day one executive. You know, what, what uh, made you come up with this concept and what made you decide to write the, the book? Well, Jeff, you know, when speaking of being a freshman at JMU, at that time in my life, I really had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. And what I 
did know was that really I had sort of been exposed to two main professions, my mother's, which was a teacher, God love mm-hmm. all teachers, uh, and my father, who was uh, in the military uh, as, as an attorney and later a judge, and so sort of a legal career. These were sort of the, these are really the only two careers I had ever had sort of an up-close and personal, you know, glimpse of, and I was a liberal arts major in school. And um, really never darkened the doorstep of the College of Business, uh, stayed as far away as I possibly could from anything with numbers in it at the time, and and really did not realize at that stage of my life that in one form or another, everything ultimately is business. Your your very life is business. You know, you're you're paying bills. You're you're creating some sort of revenue stream. Hopefully, if you if you are in the professional um, world, so you sort of can't avoid numbers. And it wasn't until I graduated and landed on the doorstep of of the business world. And and again, when I say business, I don't necessarily just mean a corporate world. Um, from my point of view, an academic career is is ultimately business. Academia is ultimately business. Uh, a government career is in its own way, you know, business. There's the business of government. Um, and, uh, you know, they also need to, you know, make and grow money and are looking to make and grow missions uh, in, in various agencies. Whether you're in a nonprofit, that is in its own way a business. Nonprofit does not mean non-money. It does not mean non-revenue. Um, and so you've absolutely got to have the ability to understand the fundamentals, even of a nonprofit business, uh, in order for them to have the greatest impact that organization can have in the world. And certainly a corporate career uh, is very squarely in a business space. So here I was, a liberal arts major, French and communications, no real idea of what, what I wanted to do when I grew up, grow up, and had never really been exposed uh, you know, to any sort of a business mentality. And um, in my own journey, I was very, very fortunate to have a number of mentors in my journey. But I did have to kind of learn the hard way, basically, in terms of um, carving a career. And it was, uh, in, in, you know, in the end, quite a joy uh, to be able to sort of custom create this, this career. Um, but I really learned a lot along the way that I, I now know really applies to any career. Uh, it's really all about, you know, adding, creating and adding value and often creating value out of nothing. And um, the choice that every single one of us can make to, you know, once we really see that, every single one of us I now see can make the choice to show up as an executive, to be an executive. I like to say the executive, we already are starting on day one of our careers. We don't have to wait, you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years in, into the future for somebody to promote us to this. This is this is a way of being, and we can choose to show up that way starting on day one. And in doing so, wherever we create our careers, whatever that sort of canvas is that we choose to kind of chart our course of, you know, of life vocationally, we're going to have greater uh, control. We're going to have, and, and shaping that future, we're going to have greater, I think, financial um, autonomy in our lives because we are in a more empowered position for negotiating things like salary, et cetera. And um, quite frankly, I think we're going to have happier lives um, if we make that choice to show up as an executive starting on day one, first and foremost of our lives, and secondarily in whatever vocational space we choose to build a career. Uh, I, well, I agree. You know, it, it takes me back to starting my career as we as we're talking about this, and I can remember um, early on. Um, you know, I think I was in that mindset of 
hey, I'm going to be really successful. I just never doubted that, right? So it was a, hey, we're going to be really successful. <laughs> and I'll never forget going in and presenting a report to somebody because I really thought that they were going to care about my point of view. And, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, 23-year-old uh, coming in to telling this vice president um, all the things that were not going very well in their area. Also, a few things that were working right. But, you know, I, I, I knew that this was going to be hard to hear. And so I really tried to have a lot of what you described, the right behaviors, taking ownership, being direct, doing this. And it was just hilarious, April. You know, it was one of those, it taught me a lot about what I was going to want to uh, pursue, and that was leadership development. This person uh, was just giving me busy work. She did not really want to hear about it, right? It was interesting. In about three years, I ultimately replaced her. <laughs> so it was kind of one of those there. You know, like, you know, from, from I, and I had no design. Like, I, you know, I was did not think I'd be running big call centers. I really thought I was going to be coming in in human resources, doing recruiting and training and growing in there. And then I ended up running some huge call centers. But it was because of people saw uh, in me and a couple of others that we came in and we wanted to make it better. We, we wanted, yeah. we took ourselves seriously. We were not trying to run over people, but yeah. we were also trying to like, how do we make the organization better? You know, yeah. so you know, I don't think I'd ever really thought about, you know, that I was set myself up from day one to be an executive, but I really was. But you did. I mean, that's a beautiful story, and it shows clearly your your intention and your and, and the spirit behind all of that was really an honoring of the organization and its potential. And so, you know, your 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 intention and your spirit wasn't coming in to, to criticize or knock someone down, or like you said, you had no conscious aspiration to replace anybody. But coming in with that real, you know, that intention of honoring the all the potential of this organization, but treating it not as this sort of, um, you know, starry-eyed, you know, ideal but really, again, you did, in fact, embody that day one executive um, mentality. Um, you know, you did your homework. You were prepared. You were ready to have a conversation that reflected a, you know, a, a recognition of constraints in the current reality and also possibilities, you know, and a path towards that. And clearly that leadership in you, Jeff, was recognized. Uh, you know, obviously, we now know how that story ends. You ultimately replaced this person. I, I'm over here giving you a standing ovation, um, because that's the kind of beautiful leadership I think the world needs more of. The world does not need you, you know, shutting up and coloring in the corner, right, because that one individual wasn't able to receive the, the insights you were offering that day, that, that the world needs people like you showing up exactly as you did in that moment as that day one executive. And in due time, you know, the, the space will be created for you to, in fact, expand your sphere of influence as that executive, which clearly in this case happened when you replaced this person. Um, April, I'm chuckling. You know, I have four children, three of which are teenagers right now. So getting a standing ovation, not often in my house. I love them, <laughs> but getting a standing ovation. So I will take it. <laughs> yes. We've got about Great. two minutes for we have about two minutes, April, for our first break. You know, how is this book different maybe from other leadership books that are out there? You know, Jeff, um, you know, like yourself, I'm a study of leaders, and, um, you know, leadership is a broad topic. It's a very big word, and it, 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 it extends to mean everyone from, you know, when you hear the term leadership, you think of everyone from, like, Winston Churchill, you know, these epic, you know, legendary statespeople, or, Martin, you know, Maggie Thatcher, to, uh, you know, thought leaders who are sort of 
you know, leading, influencing some intellectual perspectives on matters. Um, I wanted to really kind of take a very narrow, specific slice of this very vast leadership terrain and say, let me talk very specifically. Let's look very specifically at this aspect, this dimension of leadership, because an executive is a very specific embodiment of, you know, of a leader. Not all leaders are executives. And which I think is great. Um, you know, I love thought leaders in the world. I think we're both thought leaders. Um, and you don't have to be an executive to be a thought leader. And certainly not all executives are, are leaders. But this book really is speaking to the uh, executive who is also a leader, but wants to look very specifically at what it means um, not just to be a leader, a generic leader, but to really um, show up in the world as an executive. And we can talk after the break maybe about a little bit more about what that actually means, even that term executive. Uh, I think that's a great, great segue. So, yes, um, April Armstrong will be here with us throughout the show. So um, we will be uh, digging deeper and deeper into her book and some ideas that we have as well as some case studies. So we'll be back in two minutes and we'll pick up from where we were talking. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset? your home. Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Variety. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now, back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back to Voltcast. This is Jeff Smith, and I'm here today with my guest, April Armstrong. She's the CEO and founder of AHA Insight, a great name, by the way. Right, April? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. I love it. 
I love it, you know, and uh, April and I didn't even realize this. Uh, we were in the process of sort of reconnecting as uh, our book came out, Aha to All In. Um, and so love it was it. Kind of like, I know that she's going to like this title. So, <laughs> yes. And I love the book even more than the title. Everybody should buy this book. Yes. Well, I appreciate that. And speaking of the book, uh, you wrote the book uh, Day One Executive. Let's start to dig down a little bit deeper into this. So, we, you know, we got a good overview sort of of, of um, your philosophy, your background in the first segment. As we sort of dig down in this, what is a Day One Executive and, and why would you come up with it that way, um, you know, your thinking? So I'm, I'm very curious. So, you know, when people think of the term executive, you know, they often, they're picturing like the black car, you know, the, you know, the, the perks and the lifestyle, you know, the expensive suits, uh, you know, maybe office. that person in the corner sure. office, you know, I don't know. What do you think of when you hear the term executive? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I'm similar. I grew up uh, with a school teacher for a dad and my mom, you know, worked at JMU as a sort of an office manager. So, you know, I, I didn't know a lot of executives, but if I was thinking about it, it was probably like the college president and uh, a boardroom table and, you know, sort of all the accoutrements. And, and quite honestly, if I'm being honest, in the old days, probably a white male, you know, over 50, yeah. you know. Yeah, true, true. I really love actually that you pointed that out because um, I think you're absolutely right that and and the vestiges of that are still I think very much in the collective consciousness and um, I, you know actually you mentioning that I'm so glad you mentioned that Jeff because that is at the that I'm kind of going back to the first segment that's very much at you know at the heart and the core of a big part of the reason I'm writing this book is to really speak to all the people out there who may not fit that model myself included um, to really tap every single one of those people on the shoulder and say, you are an executive if you choose to be, you know, you are an executive if you choose to be. And that, that, you know, that mentality, that, that sort of um, first image that comes to mind of an executive, um, you know, right down to that boardroom table, like you said, and, and, you know, the black car we were talking earlier, you know, that is a very modern definition of this term. And it's a uniquely American definition. That definition of the term executive being used even in the context of business did not appear until the 1970s in an American dictionary. So this notion of an executive being associated with business, this is a very, very new concept. The term executive actually has its roots, not surprisingly, back in Latin. Um, but what is surprising, maybe, is how early that word first began to appear. It first began to appear in the 1600s, and it had a very succinct definition, which is really about bringing to completion. Mm-hmm. Bringing to completion. And we think today certainly about executives setting direction and calling the shots and all of that. And those are certainly roles, I think, in the modern you know, vernacular anywhere in the world that that is a part of what it means to be an executive. But to me, this, this original core of bringing a com- to completion is, is, in fact, one of the sort of distinguishing hallmarks of an executive. And even maybe, again, you know, differentiating what it means to be an executive from the more you know generic notion of leadership, an executive is a person who is willing to be the person who sees something through to completion. Not necessarily alone, not necessarily just by themselves. Although, if necessary, you know they are willing to take that level of ownership. Um, you know, the, great, the, the the executive who's also the leader is bringing it to completion with a lot of other people through a lot of other people. Yeah, 
You know, I really like that. Uh, April, it's, um, it reminds me of, you know, I work with a lot of executive leaders, um, you know, C-suite, et cetera. And um, the ones that stick around and are successful really do bring things to completion. So had not thought about it that way. But, you know, you've also got those that just kind of they're executive in title, but you can't quite yeah. figure out what they're doing. But they're, yeah. they seem to, they, they're in a lot of meetings, but they don't really get much accomplished. And I compare and contrast that to sort of this ability to bring to completion, to execute and to be able to maybe bring, you know, uh, clarity to ambiguity or chaos and be able to take that chaos and to be able to say, hold on. I've got some ideas. Let's come together as a team. Let's talk about it. And to have that courage to lean into it and to say, here's where we're going. You know, even now that's called uh, executive presence, you know, which is sort of a yeah. buzzword. So so I really like the, the definition that you've got here. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, tell me about like, you know, as you are out there studying and working with these leaders, how do you go about them um, trying to uh, emulate these behaviors that you're hoping to see in day one executives? So the book is based, that, you know, it's a perfect segue in terms of, you know, what is the book based on? It's, it's really based on, on three things. It's based first and foremost on my personal experience interacting with hundreds of executives from all walks of life. I had what I now realize was a very enviable starting position in in my first job, uh, and that is at the very bottom of the corporate ladder. And so, you know, actually, one of the things I tell young people is, you know, it does not matter where you start. Set your check your ego at the door if you really want to be a person who changes the world, and be willing to start wherever you're first given an opportunity. And don't worry about where that is on the playing field, you know, or on the chessboard. And in my case, it happened to be at the very bottom of the corporate ladder. I'm literally escorting guests, making coffee, making copies, which today would probably be an HR violation to at least out of the three of those things. But what I had that was supremely valuable that I now realize, and I am very grateful for it, was proximity to the company's top executives and to their guests. So top executives from other Fortune 500 companies, top executives from government agencies. I had enviable proximity to these individuals and tremendous opportunity to observe them in the wild, so to speak. So needless to say, for my own career, I started making a lot of notes about what I saw, what I saw that I liked, what I saw that made them particularly effective or distinctive. And then I began comparing those notes over time. What did I see across this sort of swath of of these top executives? And then I began adding to that, you know, my own reading, my own sort of literature scan, so to speak, uh, looking at interviews, watching videos, reading books, of course, on traits of, you know, top leaders, et cetera. And then I had on top of that my own personal journey as I, you know, had my own rise up that corporate ladder to begin to become an executive in that company fairly early on in my in my career. And now, of course, like you, I'm the executive of my own company. Uh, and so it's been quite an educational experience. And um, there are, in fact, I, I recognize now, there are, in fact, definitely some distinguishing attitudes and behaviors that set these people apart. And 
And I am referring, I want to be very clear, I am referring to the kind of executive you and I were discussing earlier that, you know, that executive that's bringing things to, to completion, that executive mm-hmm. that is also the, the inclusive leader, the executive who is truly a world changer for the better. So I'm not talking about what I like to call climbers and coasters. I'm not ca- talking about <laughs> people who, you know, are climbing the ladder for their own individual gratification and gain, and in fact, might move into executive positions, so they happen to hold the title of an executive. And I'm not talking about coasters, people who, through whatever means, have attained an executive position in an organization and are just kind of like coasting on everybody else's shoulders. So, you know, I mean, the book, of course, outlines, uh, you know, it's going to probably end up being about, you know, 26 specific attitudes and behaviors that, you know, that are really distinctive. Um, there's a few we can certainly touch on maybe in the show today as time permits. Yeah, great. I'm, I'm chuckling. Um, you know, the, the climbers, you know, we, we, we watch them and we sort of hope that they're going to um, have a competence, you know, and that it'll <laughs> catch up to them, you know. Uh, the coaster, I'll never forget um, – I was at uh, Capital One, and they did a magnificent job of really managing this well. Um, you know, we reviewed every six months or so. But there was this one person I worked with that I will never forget, April, that I swear he had pictures. Everyone figured he had pictures because he was the biggest <laughs> coaster I've ever seen oh, in my life. Wow. And he held out. He said he was going to retire at 50. He did. He was and wow. early, in, early in his life, he actually had some success, and I even saw it. But boy, that last five or six years were just really coasted. And it always bothered me. He'd been a mentor of mine, and I finally had to fire him because mm-hmm. I realized he was he was using me to try to get sort of information. And, you know, I think part of uh, one of the things I would, you know, just want to make sure for our listeners is that, you know, you have to treat your career and your brand image and what you're trying to be as an executive and really be cognizant of that. I didn't realize that, you know, this person – um, was no longer mentoring me as much as he was using me for information. And part of owning, you know, being an executive is having hard conversations. I remember saying, you know, I don't think we should meet anymore. You know, it was, we, I'll see you, and I appreciate all you've done for me, but it's time for us to go separate paths. And that was a hard conversation, I got to tell you. You know, you can probably hear my voice even, but it was a needed conversation. I really admire that, Jeff, because, yeah, that took courage. That took immense courage because you obviously had, you know, a personal probably affection for this person also from his original sort of mentoring role. And so there's, you're kind of grappling with kind of your own sort of, you know, disenchantment and emotional letdown while also having to make the tough business decision, the tough business decision that was absolutely right for you and your career, you know, and also for the organization. I admire that courage. That's a that's that's probably one of the biggest muscles that a day one executive has to develop, um, and and it's not something necessarily that we're raised with. We're we're not necessarily taught how to have those difficult conversations. We have to learn how to do that. So kudos Absolutely. to you. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it was probably at least a year past due, so it took a while to work the courage up. To be honest with you, <laughs> but it, but you know, that's part of it. Yeah. So. Uh, so, April, we've talked a little bit about what an executive is, um, some of your viewpoints on that. When we come back from break, let's pick up on some of these, uh, you know, attributes and behaviors. You know, we won't need to do all 26, but what are a few of the key ones that you think are most important? So, for our listeners, grab a pen and a piece of paper and get ready for uh, April to spread some wisdom to us. So, we'll be back in two minutes.
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with host Thomas Rosenberg. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as Thomas speaks with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at voltageleadership.com. Now back to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back to Volcast. This is Jeff Smith, and I'm on today with my friend April Armstrong. She's the CEO and founder of AHA Insight. She's also the author of the book, Day One Executive, and she's done amazing things. So if you need a a keynote speaker, a facilitator, a consultant to come in and be a thinking partner with you, April is probably a great person to to research and look look her up. So uh, check out AHA Insight and learn all about April. So April, before the break, we were talking about... um, you know, what are some of these behaviors and characteristics? You know, you've helped us understand what an executive looks like in your mind. It can be all of us really start from day one to say, what is our path and what's where are we going to? What are a few of the key attributes and or behaviors that you've seen in successful executives? So maybe I'll, you know, I'll offer three for, for our audience um, sure. to just kind of like season them with, you know, three of, three of the big ones um, that, that really stand out to me, Jeff. You know, I would say first and foremost, the day one executive makes it their business to know the real driving force of the mm-hmm. business that they're in. And I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a, you know, lighthearted example of this. Uh, I'm going to use the example of my house, house cleaners. If you're, you know, if, if you're crazy busy like me and you don't love to clean your house, it's worth it to pay for house cleaners to come in periodically and help you with that very, that very important job. Unless you have some of the housekeepers that I originally had in my home, what I found was, you know, I'd come home and the, the, the home is gleaming, but 
suddenly I'm, you know, I'm looking for I'm looking for stuff that used to be here and now it's gone. It's like it's like I have elves in my home because now things are just mysteriously sort of moving around, which, you know, okay, I sort of expect that, I guess, if I'm going to have people cleaning my house. But next thing you know, they're putting shoes in two different rooms. I'm literally, <laughs> not just figuratively, I'm literally waiting for the other shoe to drop because it's not in the same room as, you know, as it's, as it's made, basically. So what strikes me is, you know, let's think about how they're, you know, how they're defining their job, right? What business do they think they're in? If they think they're just in the business of cleaning a home, were they succeeding by that measure? Well, yes, my home was clean. It was cleaner. But is that, in fact, the driving force of the business that they're in? Actually, no, it's not. The driving force of the business that they're in is to save their clients time mm. to make their clients life easier. That's why I'm paying for a house cleaner. Were they succeeding by that measure of the driving force of the business that they were in? No, because it's costing me three to five hours per week to find stuff, <laughs> you know, that's now like an Easter egg hunt in my home you know, it, it would have been easier and faster probably for me to just clean my own home. So that's an example that I use to really point out that, you know, whatever the surface description or your surface initial understanding of, you know, the core mission of the business that you're in is, wonderful, take that, that's fine, and 90% of people will stop right there. But the day one executive will look fur further, the day one executive will start to ask penetrating questions to really be sure that they're getting at the heart of the purpose of the business that they're in and make sure that the organization is succeeding with that. So that's one example of, you know, what I think is sort of a hallmark attribute of what I call the day one executive. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's fantastic. I can remember having some interns previously at um, Carillion System, and I was always impressed when the folks um, asked those penetrating questions you know, and these are, you know, a lot of times they're getting their master's in human research, I mean, uh, healthcare administration. So they're 24, 25 years old. They don't understand all the things, but they would see something that just was not uh, aligned. And them asking the questions would stop our management team in our tracks and be like, hold on, we must not be explaining this well, or they're right. And so having the, the ability to identify that, be curious, and then uh, or we used earlier the courage to take on, you know, I was an executive at that point when it was an executive team to to do that. Wow, that was impressive. Yeah, and that's beautiful. I mean, that's that that is so beautiful because a whole you know a whole another sort of insight. I think you clearly agree with Jeff is that so often you know the quality of the question that a person's asking is so much more important and sheds so much more light on the value that they will add than the answer that they may think they're supposed to have about something. Mm -hmm. Okay, my pen is ready, April. I've got driving force. Know the driving force of the I love it. that you I love it. in. My pen is so ready for number two. A second tip is, and it's kind of related, but is know the cost of doing business with you. Mm. Know the cost of doing business with you. And if I was to use this housekeeper analogy again, just because it kind of fits, you know, I, you know, what am I paying the housekeeper? I don't know, $60 or something to clean the house. We'll just make this up. Is that really what it costs me? to use that housekeeper. Is that really the cost of doing business with this housekeeper? No. 
because it's taking three to five hours of my time, as I said a moment ago, you know, to, to go behind them and find stuff and reconstitute my house and make it right. So the cost, the real cost of doing business with that housekeeper was in the thousands of dollars. Hmm. Now, if the housekeepers had a consciousness of this, they would be doing business very, very differently. They would want that $60 number to look like a screaming bargain. But in fact, that $60 number is just the beginning. It's actually costing me thousands of dollars to do business with them. So you don't want to be, we don't want to be those housekeepers, right? We want to have a constant awareness of what it's actually costing for someone to do business with us. So that means even if you're, as I was, at the bottom of the ladder in an organization, you're contributing something to that organization. And the day one executive makes it their business to really actually understand what that orga- you know, what it's costing the organization to get something done, to bring something to completion. Are you getting it right the first time? Is it taking 20 versions because your work is sloppy? Well, the day one executive is going to quickly tighten that up. Yeah, I, I link two sisters together here, um, and and one is taking initiative, right? So, you know, someone's paying you to do it. So, are you taking the initiative to make their lives easier because you can see something? And then, to your point, just back to the, the original definition of this word, bring it to completion. And you know, I'm I, I completely you know me well enough tolerate mistakes. I just don't want the same mistake twice. You know, I don't yeah. I don't want that you know to have to explain it over. I don't want to watch you not take notes, you know, when I know that this is yes. six steps in a process, right? You know, yeah, so I think a beautiful for example. The, I think for the, the folks out there that are trying to rise up in their career, take initiative. Look what's on look what's on my plate. Look what's on the you know, the plates of the folks that I work with and and say, gosh, I'd really love to learn about that. Let me own it. Let me take that from you. So taking some ownership and initiative and take it really serious. Take notes, complete. And boy, if you can do that, I'm going to be finding ways to, to you know, give you more responsibilities and uh, promote you. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. There's a great quote that there's no price in the face of value. And if you're doing the things that you were just describing, Jeff, then your value is growing exponentially. You're not going to have a problem when the time comes to negotiate your salary. Absolutely. Look at you. So what, you know, we got a couple minutes left here before breaks. What's the, what's the third uh, behavior you want our uh, day one executives to, to know to develop themselves? So a third one, Jeff, that would come to mind, and it sort of segues from what you were just saying, is, you know, and if you're aware of the cost of doing business with you, and if you're, and if you're you know, aware of the driving force in the business and you're doing the things you were just describing, the third one I would offer is that the day one executive is the standard bearer. Most people in the organization are looking to somebody else to set the standard. And, oh, by the way, if the standard changes, you, you might hear a lot of grumbling. Oh, well, that was good enough for them yesterday. Why today do they not like it? Well, why? Because the market is constantly changing. And you, if you're not a day one executive, are totally disconnected from the market forces that are impacting the extent to which your business, whether it's a college, a college, whether it's a hospital, whether it's a nonprofit organization or a for-profit organization, you only exist to the extent you have a market. And the top executives are keenly aware of that market, and so is the day one executive. And the day one executive is making it their business, number one, by taking feedback, like you were just describing earlier. First time something happens, I call it feedback. Second time it happens, it's a mistake. You know, Third time it happens, you're probably out of business. The day one executive is making it their business to sense the standard, which is continually in motion, so they're never assuming it as a fixed 
point of view or conclusion that won't change. Every day they're sensing the standard. And then they're raising the standard. They are embodying the standard. They're the standard bearer that others begin to follow and admire and emulate. That would be a third thing. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, April, you know, what, what I'm struck by is, um, you know, people that um, are standard bearers, even when that's hard. Um, you know, I, I can picture this uh, a boss from early in my career we were working some really hard hours and they were the sort of standard bearer of where were we going to be an employer of choice and be a place where we really did integrate work in life. And so instead of, you know, uh, sort of just putting head down and, you know, they could, they could have not taken a lead on, we're going to try to get people out of here at a reasonable time. We're going to try to be staffed appropriately you know, and only focus on making as much money as possible. They were the ones that really stood up and said, this is where we're going. This is what an employer choice looks like. They also means an employer choice. They execute like crazy. And we're going to have fantastic outcomes that are great for our shareholders. But let's not forget that our biggest shareholder is our employees. And so that was not an that was not an easy message. This is a, a a woman leader, you know, in a traditional male dominated place, ten years younger than everyone else. She said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, we're not going to be that company." Wow, I love that story. Well, let's do this. Uh, we're coming up to our uh, last break here. So while we uh, break here, and what we'll do is when we come back, we'll come back with a few uh, of our best tips and stories to sort of wrap up the show. Uh, April has been joyful to have you. So we're going to bring April back for the last segment, and we'll join you in two minutes. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back to Voltcast. This is Jeff Smith. I'm here today with my guest, April Armstrong, CEO and founder of AHA Insight. Also the author of the book, Day One Executive. So April, you know, it's been such a joyful uh, time for us to reconnect and, and share some leadership lessons. You know, what I'm curious about, uh, you know, in this last segment is, you know, what are your insights? What are some of the things that you'd want us to know um, about this topic? Well, you know, Jeff, the story you told us before the break really got me thinking about something else that I, I do mention in the book, which is that my point of view is that there's really only two jobs in the world. If you're being paid to do anything, you are doing one of two things for someone. You're either helping them make money or you're helping them change the world. And if you're lucky, you might be doing both. And I think the organization you were describing, it sounds like, um, was probably doing both. So you were really lucky. <laughs> and so, you know, what I, I guess what I, would, what I would say in terms of kind of a parting insight, and again, you know, this book is written for anyone who aspires to be an executive one day. And I hope most, you know, most of all that they realize, even as early as this conversation, that number one, they already are an executive if they choose to be. It is a choice. It is not something we're just entitled to and that we're just going to get crowned this one day and be able to sit back and have assistance in black cars. It's a choice, and it's a choice, as we were describing earlier. You know, you're walking in some ways a more challenging, but I think a much more beautifully and rich path. You're holding yourself to that higher standard, but that's something truly available to every single one of us. And, you know, I recently was in a room of folks, um, a room of leaders, actually, and I was asking them, they were asking me to talk about mentoring. So I asked them, how many of you have had mentors in your life? And they all raised their hands except two people. And I thought, gosh, maybe they didn't hear the question. But I asked them, and they both said, you know what, I actually never had a mentor in my life. I mean, that's heartbreaking to me, actually. But so, you know, I think a call to action I would issue, you know, anyone listening to this is that if anything that, you know, you and I are talking about here um, is resonating with them, then I would encourage them, first and foremost, make the choice right now that you're going to start showing up in the world as an executive. You're going to make it your business to be a student of what that means. I hope my book will be a contribution. I hope, Jeff, your book I know is a contribution, and you know there's certainly so many other resources available to them. Make it their priority to be a student of that. Find a mentor. Don't wait necessarily for one to be given to you through your company or you know your your employer. Find one. You get out there and hunt one down. And it doesn't have to be just one person. I'm a believer actually in multiple mentors. So find those mentors. Read books. 
if you're able to, you know, get a coach. I'm a big believer in coaching. I think that can be a huge contribution. Um, but most importantly, uh, really begin to um, become that standard bearer, as we were saying earlier, and, and see the world change around you when you're literally at the front of the boat. You're not at the back of the boat leaving the wake. You're at the front of the boat creating that wake, and you will see the world begin to change around you because of you. And that's when you know you're showing up as a day one executive. Wow, April, who knew, you know, way back when in 1980-something that uh, when we first met that, that uh, you know, you would have had all this knowledge. And so what I want to do is to help you understand about April. So you heard, you know, communications in French, and now she's a leader and uh, sought-after coach, uh, a, consult- a consultant, advisor to all these folks all around the world. They're leading really important organizations in business. And so for folks that are listening to this, what I want you to hear is that you're, you really get to create your future. And so what are the things that you can do? So one of the things that April talked about was finding you know, mentors. And I agree. I call it an advisory board. What are some people that can help you in different arenas and help you grow and have the courage to meet with them. As you talked about earlier, what's the cost of doing business with you? And so I tell folks that are seeking mentoring to know that a lot of us that mentor and give back, we were mentored at some point. So we're willing to give you the time, but honor that. Be on time. Take it seriously. Then go give it away. You know, so as a mentor, I'm not expecting something from you. But if you brought an interesting article or you knew something I was interested in and connected me with somebody boy, I'm going to be, be that much more committed to you. So I would say a day one executive is also someone that really looks out and says, it's not about me. It's about where do I grow and how do I help bring others along on the journey? So while you're getting mentored, who are you going to go teach? And there are plenty of not-for-profits that would love to have you. So maybe you're not ready in your work setting to do it. Maybe you are. But I can promise you there's plenty of people and some not-for-profit organizations that would love some coaching and mentoring. What do you think, April? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the beauty of a great mentoring relationship is that it does flow both ways. You know, you as the mentor, uh, obviously you're contributing to this other person, but you're going to also learn from that other person. And the mentee is certainly learning from the mentor, uh, but again, also has their unique brilliance, their unique awarenesses that they will be contributing to the mentor. Nobody, you know, nobody knows it all. Not yet. You know, I don't know with, uh, you know, Google and uh, some of these uh, uh, robots that we're maybe creating, maybe one day, but not yet. (laughs) So what I'd say, too, for uh, April is very, very humble and modest about this. Um, This this book is for executives. So executives that that are up there and C-suite, you know, it's a book for you to come back and revisit. What are some of the things that you're doing right? What's one or two things that you could, as they say, sharpen the saw and get better at? Additionally, I recommend it as a study guide to work with some of the folks that you'd like to mentor and say, what is it that you see? What can we do differently? So whether you're just starting out and early in career, you're mid-career, mid uh, sort of level in the organization, or you're in the C-suite, this is a book that will really help you grow and learn. And so read it and teach it to others. So April, we got just a couple minutes left. What's next in your career? What are you hoping to, to grow and prosper and do well in? You know, Jeff, I you know, I love working with executives and I will I will definitely be continuing to do that. Um and I actually thank you for what you just said because I, I do have a 
multiple government organizations who their top executives have actually, in, in fact, expressed interest in this book. So I'm so glad you mentioned that because I do think it can help even seasoned executives kind of press the reset button and raise their own game. I think for me, Jeff, where I'm going, you know, my next real interest that I'm actively a student now of is really you talked earlier about the work-life integration, but I know firsthand the stress and the pressure that top executives are under, especially when they're world changers. It's extremely challenging at times, and I'm increasingly moving in the direction of how to, you know, what, you know, what kinds of ways, how are they getting nurtured? How are they getting supported, you know, emotionally, physically, um, you know, under the demands, um, you know, that, that they face on a daily basis as a top executive. So bringing some of that sort of, piece to the puzzle is something that I am increasingly moving my coaching business, you know, into and rapidly acquiring a lot of awareness around right now. I'm really feeling called in that direction. Well, April, when uh, when you digest that and, and ready to uh, to bring that, we'd love to have you on the show. For folks that have listened before, uh, go back to Scott Eblen. We talked about overworked and overwhelmed. And then Alan Schlechter was on about uh, the science of happiness uh, in the past year. So two shows to check out. And that brings us sort of to the end of today. So, uh, April, so so happy that you could be with us and uh, and such an honor and joy to, to be able to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Jeff. I just, so reciprocal, so mutual. Thank you. And thanks to uh, all of your listeners for the world changers that they are. We need them. Absolutely. So during the week, if you're trying to find us, uh, catch us on uh, www.voltageleadership.com. We will have our show. We'll have our blogs out there. Um, if you are um, looking to communicate with us during the week, Jeff at Voltage Leadership, you can also call the office at area code 540-798-1963. And what we'll do is we'll make sure that we understand your needs and we'll try to provide the best resources to help you and your organizations reach their full potential. April, such a joy to have you on the show. And we really appreciate each and every one of you contributing to the show by giving us ideas, suggestions, and emails throughout the course of the week. In the meantime, go make it a great week, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for tuning in to VoltCast, illuminating leadership. Please join your host, Jeff Smith, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll discuss another engaging topic next week.